It's interesting that in this morning's old scripture lesson, as well as in the New Testament lesson, both Micah and Mary are advocates for the downtrodden and the marginalized people. This morning's Old Testament lesson from Micah gives powerful testimony to how great our God is and what life-giving forever plans God has for you and God has for me and anyone who believes in Jesus as the Prince of Peace. There is great assurance and hope in hearing of God's faithfulness, especially to those who intentionally seek to be in relationship with God, with the understanding that our God is always faithful to God's word. How much does it mean to you to know, to really know that God loves you so much that God sent part of God's self to earth as a human yet divine being. God really cares that each of us understand, really understand what God is calling us to do as God's beloved children. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 so meaningfully reminds us what it is that God requires of each of us. When Micah says, the Lord has told us what is good, what the Lord requires of us is this, to do what is just, to show constant love, and to live in humble fellowship with our God. Are you in awe of how amazing it is that Micah prophesied about the coming of Jesus 700 years before Jesus' birth? Isn't that wildly amazing that Micah understood that the Prince of Peace would be the forever promise, the one who would be great to the ends of the earth? What a promise God made to us, undeserving humans, through Micah's prophecy about Jesus' great love and devotion to you and to me, the offering of a Savior who would live his life as a role model for all and die for our sins. When we have the Gospel of Luke's story, when we hear the Gospel of Luke's story of Mary visiting the extra visiting Elizabeth and the extravagant welcome. And then Mary singing praise to God through the Magnificat. Such hope and joy-filled stories about two named women. And women are not a lot of times named in the Bible. That's really rare. And these women who are being used as sacred vessels who will lovingly deliver two children into the world. Not just any children either. No, they will be two men whom God has big plans for, really big plans. Two children who will grow up to be servant leaders of the Lord and who will have deep faith and do marvelous, remarkable things for all to hear and to see because of their faithfulness and love of God. What powerful texts both scripture lessons are for every heart hungry for good news. And don't we all need good news these days? In the midst of all the sickness and the death occurring at such a rapid rate 
because of the pandemic. There's more natural disasters happening around the world than have ever happened before. More and more people are hungry and starving all over the world. More and more people become homeless or at risk of losing their homes at this time. And as we all know, the list goes on and on. When I entered seminary almost 20 years ago now in 2002, I consistently, probably 90%, 95% of the time, looked at only the positive side of most everything. You might say, that's not really a bad thing though, is it? Well, no it's not in one sense. However, if everyone just looked at the bright side of things and never looked at the not so bright or darker side of things, how would we learn to be compassionate or come to understand one another at a deeper level where darkness is a reality? So as I've matured spiritually and emotionally, I've learned to look at the least, at the less joy-filled side of life, where unspoken words, hurt feelings, resentment, and probably a lot of misunderstandings lie. Areas rarely explored by folks who just want to keep things light and happy. We all know people like that, happy and somewhat superficial folks who are not that concerned about how you or how I feel. We might say that these folks are people who go along to get along, to conform in order to have acceptance and security without much interest or need to understand other people's feelings or other people's needs. I wonder how concerned they are at making peace a reality in our world. This morning I'm going to share a prayer poem with you, which was written by somebody who I really believe understands the importance of looking at both the darker side and the lighter side of a story. That story that lives between the lines, that does not offer words to read, but rather hopes the reader will wonder and dig deeper into the story or situation. The part of the gospel lesson that we are going to explore is the gap in the story that is left before Mary starts her journey to visit her cousin Elizabeth. What do you imagine was going on in Mary's heart and her mind after the angel appeared to her, but before she started her journey to visit her cousin Elizabeth? I have to wonder, what might have been going on in the place where Mary lived? prior to the journey. Why do you imagine Mary went to visit Elizabeth? My reason for looking deeper for answers to these questions and more is so that we can understand at a deeper level, a heart and a soul level, how Mary, the unwed teenager, pregnant with the Holy Spirit's baby, might have been feeling inside in relation to others of her day. I believe the prayer poem that I'm going to share with you will help us better understand that Mary, Jesus's mother, herself experienced being marginalized in her hometown and that she felt downtrodden in relationship to others. Others who didn't take the time 
to really hear Mary, or maybe they didn't believe in God, or both. I find that looking at Mary's feelings and thoughts in a more personal light, a more individual to individual light, helps me relate better with her as a woman, not just as Jesus' mother. I want to know how her experiences of marginalization in relation to other people and their judging her made her feel. I want to understand more about her deep faith in God and God's promises of hope, love, joy, and peace. I share this perspective so we might understand better that with great faith, as Mary had, comes a peace that is not of this world. It is crystal clear that the peace that Mary felt and exuded during her singing of the Magnificat was a peace that was spirit-driven and faith-anchored for sure. Are you also curious about how we too can attain that spirit-driven and faith-anchored peace and exuberance that Mary demonstrated? I believe that if we could understand the spirit-driven and faith-anchored peace more fully by understanding Mary's heart and soul better, then our new understanding would empower you and me to more joyous singing our praises to God and more often. During my sermon preparation, I came across this prayer poem, which will take us on a journey to the heart of peace as we journey with Mary to the place of her inner peace. The reading is titled, In Those Days, and when I found it, it said it was by Reverend Eric Anderson, so I wanted to share with you who Eric Anderson was. So I was pleasantly surprised that he is a UCC pastor of a church in Hilo, Hawaii, but before that, he was part of the Connecticut Conference. So he's really part of the new Southern New England Conference at heart. As I see it, the first must read, we first must read between the lines, the scripture that Luke wrote to see some challenges that Mary overcomes. But then that makes the greeting of her dear cousin, Elizabeth, all the sweeter and Mary all the more wise. Reverend Anderson's poem prayer seems to be written and meant for the gospel's writer, Luke, as a way to get behind the Bible text and to make him, Luke understand it just a little differently. The sentiments in this prayer poem tell the behind the scenes story of the lack of support that Mary must have felt from the people of her village in Nazareth and we don't know how her immediate family felt either. Whether it was from her lack of faith in God or their, whether it was from their lack of faith in God or their distrust of a teenage girl who said she was a virgin, yet she was with child. It doesn't matter. It is Mary's reality as an unwed pregnant girl, nervous, maybe even afraid of what is to come and to become of her life during her first pregnancy. And she looks for support and a place to share what's on her heart and her mind. Here now, Reverend Anderson's prayer poem that is titled, In Those Days. In those days, Luke? Like he's saying, really, Luke? Say rather, after her imagined life has been upset, 
by visitation of an angel, Mary saw the pretenses of life too well. Her friends and loved ones, neighbors too, persisting in a sad semblance of normal when the love of God was breaking in. She fled because her efforts to acquaint the villagers of Nazareth with blessing and with deliverance were greeted with polite discount, with blank incomprehension, silent disbelief, and smirks that smack of shame and slander. She fled because she had no outlet for the wonder bottled up inside her, no person who would recognize the glory, who but one already bearer of a miracle would comprehend a miracle before her. So in those days, she fled. But Mary stood upon the threshold of Elizabeth, received a wave of welcome, knew they shared in wonder, all the pain of others' disbelief gave way. And in a flood of tears, Mary praised magnificent reversal, pride dispersed, power humbled, humble lifted, hungry satisfied, and wealthy leaving empty. For in the shared experience of grace, they built on love's foundation, Mary and Elizabeth, to raise up faith and hope and joy that others would not see. Write that, Luke, in what it, it's what it means in those days. Every time I read this prayer poem, my heart gets filled with sadness for the lack of support that Mary received in her hometown of Nazareth. However, my heart also is full of gratitude to know that she found a welcoming and safe space with her cousin, where she could share her truth without being judged or told that she was crazy. As I imagine, she felt and heard from other family members and townsfolks in Nazareth before her journey to Elizabeth's home. By hearing this reading, I hope that each of us can draw near to the importance of relationship, relationship with God through prayer, relationship with the Prince of Peace, in our understanding of how much Jesus wants us to live lives that include loving God and loving neighbor as ourselves. It is so important that we remember that God, the three-in-one God, is all about relationship. God calls us to a relationship with God's self, as well as all other human beings, and God's animals, and to care for God's earth. God selflessly gave us the gift of God's self on Christmas in the human yet divine form, the Christ child, our Prince of Peace. Without relationships, we're probably not understanding the true meaning of peace as individuals, or as the body of Christ, the church, or as servant leaders in a broken world filled with people who only look at what they see as positive and good without looking and really listening to their neighbors or siblings who might look, act, talk, and love differently than them. In conclusion, May God's word offer you hope to dig deeper into scripture, reading between the lines to help you feel extremely loved by God 
and to help you in turn offer God's love to others. May God's word guide you to express joy because you are blessed to be God's child. We are so blessed. Someone who has been granted life in God's kingdom forever and ever. May the Prince of Peace birth and the promise of his second coming give you pause to rejoice and intentionally seek to find peace within and help spread peace all around the world through your prayer and praise of Jesus, our Prince of Peace. May it be so. Amen.